Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to hit record now and you go for it. Hi, I'm Amber James, the creator and author of the Notes to Self Shop. And this, I just forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Really good, though. So far, so good. I'm I'm literally looking at verbatim. Right. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I need to not do that. That's okay. Okay, I'm going to start over. Go ahead. <laughs> Hi, this is Amber James from the Notes to Self shop, and you are listening to the Vroom Vroom Beer with Jeff Smith podcast, and this is your reminder to write a love note to yourself today. I love it, and I want to go write a love note to myself now. Okay, I'm going to hit stop. I'll be right back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Jennifer Sontag, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Good. Thanks for having me here, Jeff. Nice I, to be here. I didn't screw up your name, did I? Did I get it right? I don't think so. Jennifer Sontag. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Close good. enough. Close good. enough. <laughs> good enough for government work. There you go. I was there. So you are at, I'm going to screw this up, Italian Citizenship concierge that french word that i can never say uh dot com so talk a little bit about what's got you fired up there in uh sicily on the beach (laughs) so what has me super fired up is we um my partner and i just launched a course on how to get italian citizenship by descent and for the 18 million Americans that are potentially Italian citizens. Mm. This is super, super exciting because no more, you're not going to need lawyers, service providers, all of these expensive things. We're going to break it down step by step and teach you how to do it. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Don't you, don't you wish you had a concierge when you did it? Don't I wish. (laughs) I, I did this. I did this process while I was partially living in China during COVID, and then I moved to Italy during COVID, all on my own. Oh, yes. I totally wish somebody would have done it for me. Oh, my goodness. I'd I'd have a lot less white hair. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I can't imagine. So we'll have to get into that. Let's, Let's put a pin in that, and we'll talk about that later, because yikes, in China, and then trying to move to Italy... During lockdown. Lovely. Right? As an American citizen. As an, yeah, as an American fun. citizen. Mm, yeah. Uh, yes. I went to Japan after lockdown and I was scared. I didn't really want to. Yeah. It was. So we went in November of 22. And by the okay. time. So my wife is from Japan. So we have to go to Japan. Right. We have to see her okay. family and, and shop and stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, but of course, we didn't go. We went in 19 and we didn't go in 20 and we didn't go in 21 just because we couldn't. So yeah. she could have went that whole time because um, she has a Japanese passport. They wouldn't let me in. Um, so she would have had to go alone and then she would have had to stay like in a hotel or a friend's house for like two weeks. And then even after those two weeks, you still can't ride public transportation at all. And you can't oh. get anywhere in Japan without public transportation. <laughs> uh, her parents don't drive anymore. So she would have had to like bother some a friend. Do you mind picking me up and driving me three hours to my dad's house? That's that's a big ask. Yeah. <laughs> in lockdown. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah, that's a big ask. And by the way, I've been living in America and we don't wear masks. And you know, right. now I've just internationally in a tuna can filled with germs. <laughs> <laughs> 
idea. That's a that's a really big ask. So we didn't ask. <laughs> That's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. So I lived through, I lived through all of that in China. The Um, whole thing in China. The whole thing. So we were not able to leave China while we, while COVID was going on. Um, And you just happened to be there? (laughs) I just, well, (laughs) this is the room, room beer. This is the beer Um, part. Okay. This is the beer. So I actually had left China in December of 2019 okay. to return to the U.S. to get a quick little brain surgery. And <gasps> quick little brain that surgery. That happened on January 15, 2020. And as we know, there were some rumors that there was a bit of a flu going around in China at that point. Wow. So right. I got my, yeah. So I got my doctors to like move everything along quick and give me a clean bill of health. And I Flew into China in February of 2020. Thinking, oh, just perfect timing. It's just the flu. <laughs> it'll yeah, be it's, fine. it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> wow. So, were you, <laughs> what sort of, were you on a, like a worky visa or were you on a travel touristy visa? Oh, work visa. No, I was on a work visa. I taught okay. business management and economics. Okay. Wow. Um, in Shanghai. Okay. So, I, you know, I'm coming back to work. Right. Sure. Uh, that, nope. 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 That did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what was lockdown like in China? It was a lot worse because it, they're like, like the government is way in charge there. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. The government's way in charge. Wait, so when they I, say lockdown in China, it has a different meaning altogether. Oh yeah. Yeah. And from, so when I was there in 2020, the lockdown in hindsight was not so bad as what happened last year in 2022's lockdown. Really? And in, in 2020's lockdown, you know, it was new. It was kind of novel at that point. We're right. like, Nobody yeah, really knew what was know. going on. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, we had Ulaman. We'd get our deliveries. And, right. You know, we could to our gate and get our deliveries and stuff like that. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of alcohol, a lot of yeah. um, <laughs> parties, excessive cooking, hoarding of food. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, trying to figure out what was going on. Nothing like um, what friends went through in 2022. And thank goodness I was out of China by that point, because in 2022's lockdown, there were food shortages. Wow. It, there was daily testing, like in 2020, I don't think I was even tested for COVID even once during that time period. Okay. Yeah. Sounds about right. So, you know, in the early days, it wasn't so bad. And we were free by the beginning of May. We were back in classrooms and we were going out to brunch and, you know, everybody else in Europe and the U.S. Yeah, yeah. We were totally Right, right. Wow. So it was really only like February to May. That's not bad. Yeah, February to May. I mean, you know, we kept mask, we kept mask on if we were inside, but we had two QR codes on our phone. We had a lot of, um, I mean, it's the Chinese government, there's surveillance. Wow. So yeah. we were, tra- you know, we it's were overt tra- instead of covert. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You know, so if with contact tracing, if somebody got COVID, you knew that, you know, your number was up and you were off to the quarantine center. Wow. So I stayed for 47 days. I just hung out. I wrote a business plan. I learned to drink um, martini. Did you know that you can actually drink vermouth? I had no idea. It's a drink. It's a cocktail. It's not vermouth just something all by you itself. in your martini glass and pour out. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't either. Until COVID. This is the kind of thing you learn. Ah, <laughs> uh, Yes. Innovations in alcohol. I like it. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. The um, <clears throat> lockdown was scary for everybody. So, and we all made it. I mean, outside of right. the fact that like the conversation about toilet paper was really weird. <laughs> right. It was just like, did you get any <laughs> toilet paper when you went to the store? No, they're still out. <laughs> Oh, we're going to have to buy that 
that gas station toilet paper. The thing is, is like my wife is like one of these people that like there's very few things that she loads up on, but toilet paper is one of those things. Like we usually have like one of those Costco size things of toilet paper somewhere hidden in the house. I don't know where that is, but <laughs> it's there. In the rafters. And, yeah, yeah. And and the thing is, is like we never even dented the actual supply, but she was just, you know, she was a, a I, but I can't get any more, right? She was in, in panic because everybody else was. <laughs> so we bought dumb toilet paper anyway, right? That we never want to use ever. <laughs> so, so when we went into the grocery stores in Shanghai, they were trolling you because the second you walked in, they had huge displays of toilet paper and hand sanitizer. And of course, then I would troll my friends and send back pictures going, hey, guys, need toilet paper? I'll send you some. <laughs> well, this was it, it wasn't like everywhere. I think it was only like big cities like my like my parents in small town Michigan. Uh, you know, nobody nobody freaked out Every, and their toilet paper was fine. It was just like it's just a flu. Right. I, I think people in cities just like I don't know why, but yeah, Vegas, California, everybody really freaked out about like, it was like the second week. Well, let's see. I think I got sent home from work on the 17th of March. So like that, the, the week after that, you couldn't find toilet paper in a store anywhere. So bizarre. Yeah, they so bizarre. actually had, they took it off the shelf <laughs> and then they were starting because people were hoarding so, like immediately. They would just go and clear the shelves. And it's so stupid. <laughs> oh, oh, people. Oh, people. <laughs> so the good news is I now live in Italy where right. we have plenty of toilet paper. Yeah. And really but good food. Yes. <laughs> for some reason, the bar, the bar and shop owners and things like that don't want to share their toilet paper and put it out in the public restroom. So you still need to bring it along with you. Oh, if wow. You're going to small. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of it. You just have to buy it yourself and supply it yourself. But still worth coming to Italy because the food is delicious. Yes. Okay. Good. Good to know. All right. So when you're going out, you know, pack that in the purse or backpack. Pack that in the purse. That is COVID. Channel. Channel that PTSD from COVID. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So before we get too far along in the present, let's go back in time. So I know you grew up in the Midwest, but I don't know where. So where did you grow up? So I grew up in St. Louis on the St. banks Louis. of the muddy Mississippi. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. 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 You're like right on the edge of the Midwest. I, I, St. Louis to me is like one of those edge places. Like, yeah, so yeah. this is on the edge of the Midwest. It's sort of like that gateway to the West, but it's also right on that north-south line. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's a, right. It's a really interesting place to grow up. Nice mix. Because I right. live in the suburbs, but then you know, as an adult, move to the city, and it's like living in two totally different places. Um, I bet. You know, in aspects. So it's yeah, great yeah. because there's a lot there. There's a lot to do and keep you busy. I think I went through St. Louis a couple times, but only the airport. Oh, okay. Now, where did you grow up? You said I grew up also. in Michigan. Ah, cold, so, cold, cold. Cold, cold, cold. That's where we did <laughs> vacation in the summer was Michigan because yeah. you have nicer. <laughs> Correct. Yes, summers are awesome, unless of course there's too many mosquitoes. But I was Ooh. like, like way up north. Have you ever heard of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? That's the part yes. that's not the glove. So I was in the not the glove part. So, okay. Yeah, you know, there's... Never been that hot, but... <laughs> it is just like, um, it's a part of the country that it, it's so rural, right? I love it. It's super cheap, but it you can't, like, if you fly in, you, then you're an hour away from my parents' house, maybe like 45 minutes, like from Green Bay, Wisconsin. So it's right on okay. the Wisconsin-Michigan border. Great place, mostly trees, um, not so many people, which is good. <laughs> yeah, that's where I grew up. But it was, you were right. <clears throat> I wanted to escape because it was the frozen tundra that I was looking to escape. It's like way yeah. too much winter. 
Yeah, and St. Louis had the had the extremes of too much winter and too much summer. You know, where right in the summer you felt like you were walking through wet soup. You know, just <laughs> so, and so wet. It was just gross. Yeah. So, so I moved to the beach, and it's yeah, it's just as humid, but there's a breeze. There's a breeze. That's right. Breeze. Yes. So that's nice. Yeah, yeah, the beach. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about your life before, right? Right, all of this yeah. cool stuff in Italy. So, did, what did you do when you went to college? Did you study? I don't know. I'm not even going to guess. <laughs> what did you do? Oh no! So this is yeah. So I am a non-traditional. So at me too. Eighteen when I should have been going off to college. Instead, I had a cute little baby boy. And at 19, I opened a maternity and children's store because entrepreneurship is the thing that every 18-year-old should do. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) It's all going to go horribly wrong anyway at some point. So at least you've got the excuse of being 19. Stupid. I was working for, um, I was working for this other little shop and I saw that they were doing good business. I liked the product. I liked what they were doing. The owner, she was just making some bad decisions in my 19-year-old know-it-all brain. Mm. So I went to my parents and said, hey, you know, I'm not really interested in going back to college at this point, but I really think I'd be an excellent business person. I think we should take my college money and invest it in me opening a business. <laughs> and that's and when somehow, they're supposed to say, no, that's a bad idea, but they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think they should. They should. And instead, my my parents went, huh, okay, here's what you have to do. And so they gave me, you know, they gave me a couple of bars. I had a, I had a cross okay. and I crossed each one. Wow. And so that was, I was 19, that was 1992. Nice. In 2000, eight years later, I sold that store to made apartment stores who wow. at that time had. 135 stores across the United States. My goodness. They bought my teeny tiny little 19 year old business girls. Yep. Wow. Yep. And then I work for them. So, yeah. So it was pretty crazy. So I didn't go back to school until I was 35. Wow. Um, neat. And when I went back to school, I studied social work. Okay. <laughs> You, you, would, you and I are, are are very similar. Did you ever do social work? No. Yeah. Okay. See. See. I, I have no. a I have I have a degree in psychology I never used too, but I did learn that I don't want to ha- be a psychologist. So that was worth yes. it. <laughs> yes. yes. I learned that you know. So my business is um, my boutiques because I I went on to have a couple of different boutiques, but all of my boutiques, my clients were, you know. They were professional women who tended to be upper income. Um, you know, they were involved in a lot of charities, a lot of different organizations. And so I really enjoyed um, volunteering and doing different things with different organizations and people in need. So I thought, you know, at that point, I had a great opportunity. I could go back to school and I didn't have to worry about that social workers, you know, were drastically, drastically underpaid. So, um, one of the things that I learned by four years of social work school was I really enjoy the volunteering, but I really am not cut out to be the social worker because I'm going to be, I'm going to be that old woman that has 500 cats because I want to save everybody. And I am just going to hoard all of them and it's going to be a terrible disaster. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I finished social work school in three years while my son at the same time was spending four ish plus years, five, um, right, getting ish. his bachelor's degree at the same time. Wow. Well, that's so fun. I, I got, and then I went on to get my master's in public health and then start my PhD in public health. Wow. Um, again, never did anything with it. <laughs> but it sounds cool though. <laughs> it sounds really cool. I have the world's most expensive degrees, but what I did learn was uh, there's a lot of good transferable skills there. And those were right. really great. Totally. Yes. But I, I am not the person to go out and save the world. That is just not me. <laughs> not 
me. There are people that are really, really immensely qualified for this, and it is not me. Yeah, I think you have so. to be like a, a type A personality, and you have to be competitive and want to win things. Yeah. And yeah, you, you have to like to fight. Like, I, yeah. And uh, I, just, I just watched um, uh, what is it? Netflix special about Bill Gates. So he's got all the money in the world, right? So if you had all the money in the world, I already know what you would do. You'd move to Italy and drink wine and do podcasts at nine o'clock at night. I'm I'm doing something similar, except I'm in Vegas, right? And I'm not working anymore either, but I'm podcasting and having a good time. I'm not out there trying to like cure disease or anything. What's that? (laughs) You can go right down the street and you're in Paris. That's right. Or New York or anywhere on the Strip, right? right? Yes, yes. They're all there. It's all on the Strip, baby. That's right. <laughs> it's all miniature versions of all of that. Right. So, you know, I think people, yeah, I get it. Like, not the save the world type. Me neither. I think the world is okay. You know, you're not going to change people. <laughs> people are going to be people, right? Just be nice to yeah. the ones you meet. You know that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's... The big thing that I learned when I was working through public health, because I focused on social and behavioral sciences, a really big, fancy way to say, I can, I learned how to help people get from where they are to where they want to be on an individual basis, which is really, really incredible. So I learned how to you know, help empower people and advocate for them and support them and coach them along to get them to where they want to be so that they can be in Vegas, so that they can be here in Italy, so they can be living the life they want as opposed to feeling that like life is happening to them. Right. Right. Like, right. Right. And so that, that became kind of my superpower that came out of it. I'm not going to save everybody. Mm. But I can one person at a time. I can help nudge you along. Yeah, you have to want to, right? That individual that you can't go pick somebody off the street and say, "Hey, I'm going to fix you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. that does not work. Think, yeah, and I think that's the big problem. When I was in my social work classes, that right. I would, you know, listen to the professors talk about the burnout and talk about, you know, just how ungrateful people were and how poorly they were treated. And I thought, what am I doing to myself? I right. have teenage children. I don't need to go to work and be treated badly. Like, <laughs> right. my, my teenagers don't appreciate me. Right. I don't need everyone else hating me. <laughs> yeah, so, I, 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 a different route. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, it is. It, it, it that's a challenge. You know, it's a good superpower though. So congratulations. Not that that education not wasted. Okay. Between you and me, education is never wasted. Uh, Okay. So I'll give, I'll make you feel better. Right. I did a bachelor's degree in psychology. And even before I finished that bachelor's degree in psychology, I knew I was not going to do anything after the bachelor's because I found out like the hard way that basically a bachelor's in psychology is just sort of like, like the greatest hits of psychology. It's like, here's this, here's that, here's this, here's mm-hmm. that. Now, what do you want to do? Right? You get to the end and they, they send in a guy and he says, what kind of psychologist would you like to be now? And then you have to go do more school. <laughs> right? So the bachelor's degree, you didn't really learn anything. Right. It's like you get like the history of psychology. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks. And Thanks, previews. <laughs> I could have got that and it wouldn't have taken a year and a half or two years or whatever the hell it was. Right. And then <clears throat> now this was not useless. I went to massage school, too. Oh, amazing. So amazing. Now, I don't want to be a massage therapist. So the what I learned there was was massage is great. And it's kind of a crappy job for me, right? If you want to do it just as a job, not so great. It pays not great, and it's really hard on your body. If you want to make money doing that, you have to do your own thing, like be your own business. When didn't love it enough, so I was like, okay. But so remember when I told you that I couldn't walk and keep up with my wife when I was in my 30s at the mall? Now I can't. So the magic secret. Well, like the clean up your diet, 
look into micronutrients, right? For sure. That was probably the biggest rock in the bucket is like, if you do this with your food, like open it up and there's a package and it wafts out the smell of antibiotics. Don't eat that. <laughs> if you cannot pronounce it. Don't, don't eat, eat it. it. Yes. Yeah. Good call. So junk food bad. I think we all know that, but we do it anyway. So it's not like you never eat junk food, right? You just, you want to do offset, right? It's kind of like your uh, carbon trading thing, right? Yep. <laughs> the, eat <Yeah>. more eat <laughs> more greens. <laughs> yes. I'm going to fly across the world, but I'm going to give you five extra dollars. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't quite work, um, but you can do it in your diet, right? I think... Like you just want to minimize the crap, I th- I guess, and try to maximize. Like if you just eat like real food mostly, you, you're okay. I'm okay anyway, real food mostly. But the massage therapy came in because I learned about like trigger point therapy and stuff. So when things go wrong, like I have this like data bank of things in my brain and books and stuff, and I can go, oh, right, hips are hard. Okay, now I have to go work on my hips. <laughs> Good cough. I like that. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I had a mute off there. <laughs> it, was, it was lovely. That's why cameras are great. Okay. So, all right. So let's go. I want to get like, there's a couple of things that you did. So you made clothes for Michelle Obama and Madeline Albright. That sounds cool. Okay. I didn't. Yes. So I didn't make their clothes. Okay. Close though. I used to dress them. So... Wait, what? <laughs> right. So I went from at 19, I opened a maternity and, and baby store because at that time I had a young son. And so that's where my mind was. As he got a little bit older, it felt like the eight year pregnancy because not I was no longer pregnant, but I was only working with pregnant women. And so it was, you know, babies and bellies and right. bumps and things like that that yeah. went there's only so much like you can do with there's, those clothes too. Exactly. And there's only so much, you know, where you can only hear the same pregnancy stories the same number of times. So <laughs> Eight after pregnancy. that, Yikes. after I sold, <laughs> hey, anybody that's pregnant knows. I, I get it. Yeah. Nine months is too long, I would imagine. <laughs> so, so after that, after I sold, I, um, I opened boutiques for, for, for women that were not expecting, and they were young designer boutiques. And so we had young designers from all across America. Um, and my clothing was very interesting, very cool. Um, and I had the opportunity, I don't even know how to say this. I'm trying to make it more understandable in layman's terms. Um, well, so what I did was the stores ran themselves. I had a staff, the stores were run by, by the staff, but I started doing personal shopping and personal dressing image consulting. Oh, wow. Um, is the proper term for um, different local celebrities, which then turned into some local politicians, which then turned into connections with um, the future president at that time and the former secretary of state and a former president's wife. And Wow. Many, many other people. So it was really cool. Um, yeah. So I used to pick their clothes. So, you know, I could, you know, I know their sizes. I've been in a lot of closets. I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a really interesting relationship that you have, especially with women when you're choosing a professional woman's wardrobe, because you know, include cognition. So how we represent ourselves by the clothing that we wear right? and the impression that people form on us in the first three seconds of meeting us is very, very important. And a lot of that is done visually. Okay. That makes sense. Right. And so what is the majority of, of what they see of your human figure is the clothing you're in. And so right. my, my job was always to make sure that the clothing reinforced the woman and did that not sense. overspeak her her intellect, her position, her experience, her knowledge, um, right. and represented her in the best way possible. 
Yeah. So it was, it was that's a, really a lot. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, that, that's that, why there was such long pregnant pause. I get it. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I get it though. It, that's a big job. I mean, something yeah, I've never, yeah. ever thought about. I knew there was a person though. <laughs> I just never thought I'd talk to them in real life. So that's cool. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, my, my, my father, who is now what, 75 years old is still going, still ask me, what is it that you did? I'm like, I've done this for 30 years. Why are you still asking me what my job is? <laughs> you know, he's, he still doesn't understand that, that this is my job. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never want to be one of those people that has to worry about like what people think about what I'm wearing. I've got, I've nailed like suburban dork. That's my look. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Everybody needs to have their own style and, Thank you. and your style needs to represent who you are. Yes. And there's no wrong or right style right. as long as you feel good in it. There because you go. This is, I, I'm, op- I'm optimizing for retired comfort. <laughs> But whenever I see like Pulp Fiction, remember, did you ever see Pulp Fiction? Yes. And they they were wearing like uh, bad shorts and T-shirts that were just picked up in like somebody's closet, right? And they're like, what do they look like? They look like dorks. (laughs) That's my look. (laughs) About the only, somebody had to tell me to stop tucking in my polo. That nobody does oh, that yeah, anymore. Please. Yeah, please yeah. stop tucking. Nobody's tucking anymore. <clears throat> I mean, you can you can tuck, but there's a certain body type that looks better tucked, and a certain body type that looks better untucked. And a lot of times, when you untuck, you're also going to lengthen the body and appear ah, taller, okay. as opposed to tucking in, cutting yourself in half, which is going to make you appear shorter. Wow! You want to be in the rule of thirds. You need the rule of thirds. Interesting. You don't want to be looking like you're cut in half. No. Uh-huh. Now I have to come no. to Italy so you can dress me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> the funniest part is when I went back to school, one of my one of my clients slash friends told me, she said, "Now I'm inviting you to um, to my holiday party, and it's kind of special, so it's festive dress. Please don't wear your college clothes." Wow. <laughs> Festive dress. I'm like, oh, how? You mean I can't wear my hoodies and, you know, like my sweatpants <laughs> and my fuzzy slippers to the holiday party? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm always confused with holidays. So I have like a, a festive Terrible. sweater. I have uh, some like Looney Tune Christmas ties. Those, uh, those people, yes. It, it, it's just like I don't, want, I don't want a sweater. <laughs> I really don't. It's hard for me to, to fit in, in with the humans. <laughs> I am literally the alien anthropologist. It's just like, what are they doing? <laughs> what is that thing today? <laughs> yeah. Why do they do these things? You know? Anyway, so, all right, so let's get into this thing where you went through a tough divorce, became an empty nester, and went, screw it, I'm getting out of here, and I'm going to Italy. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. So, so, so before I, okay, so I went back to school. Right. At 35. And right. that coincides with when I got married. Um, okay. I got married to someone that was... Mm, seven, eight years younger than me, a professor of good architecture. Good for you. Good for you. you right? Know, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was nice. Arm, he was nice arm candy. Yeah. Really <laughs> I, um, I, I, I didn't know they made those in, in male versions too. Okay. So oh, he was yes. a himbo instead of a bimbo. Okay. All right. Oh, yes. Yes. He was definitely a himbo. I was, I had a series of himbos, but I made the mistake of marrying that himbo. Gotcha. Because he had a good resume and he yeah. appeared well. Uh-huh. But, so went back to school, married the himbo. Then a couple of years later, uh, almost ten, almost ten years later, the himbo um, needed to be kicked to the curb. Yep, and as they do. My, yeah, you know they get old. Yes, they age. That's right. Well. They don't look good anymore. Right. All of the things that made you good, no, are gone. <laughs> so my son was graduating. He had just finished his master's and my daughter was getting ready to finish her bachelor's. And I thought, what the heck am I doing? 
I have never had a gap year. I've never traveled because I've owned a business. I've had kids. I couldn't go anywhere because it would be too expensive. I'd have to pay somebody. I'd have to have babysitter, blah, 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 blah. I'd be stressed. I'm out. I'm going to take a year. I'm going to go. Wow. And you got divorced, right? And I had gotten divorced and I, I had kicked the himbo to the curb. So there's no one around to tell you no. No, other than the little cat. Other than the little cat. So found Good a for home you. for the cat. Yeah. And sold everything. I wow. sold my cash. I sold the car, everything. Got rid of everything. Forced some stuff onto my children. Made them take it. Nice. Packed up. And I moved to Shanghai, China for one year. And I thought, I just, I just need a refresh. I'm going to take one year. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go teach English. I'm going to, you know, basically earn, I think it was the equivalent of $12,000 a year. Was nice. Signed up. <laughs> you know, that, that's going to go really far in China. Out. So that's, that's good. Yeah. No, 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 that, that was not going to get me far. That, <laughs> so I arrive in China and the job is terrible. The apartment is terrible. And I quickly realized there's no way I'm going to be able to live on twelve thousand U.S. dollars a year, even if I'm living in China. This is not going to happen. It's not going to not going to work out. Huh? Okay. No, the job lasts four days. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it was that bad. My goodness, worse well, than the actually, It never even started. Like I didn't even sign the contract. It was just four days in China. So that okay. If I tuck my tail and I go back home, I have nothing. But mm. I'm in China right now. So what should I do? Well, this is how Jennifer thinks. Jennifer booked a room at the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why you're burning off that couch money now. <laughs> I'm burning the couch money. I sold the couch. I got some money to burn. That's right. So I checked in to the Ritz Carlton and Nice spot, I bet. It was pretty nice. I actually did not leave the compound at all during that week, other wow. than to go um, for an interview. So I started putting out my resume to a bunch of different schools, and some school picked me up, and they said, oh, you will be our science teacher. And I said, oh, that's great. I'm going to teach science. Why? And they said, well, you know, because you have a degree. You have a master's of science. <laughs> 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 not, not real science. Uh, yeah, it's one of those English words that makes no sense. Yes. Yeah. Masters of science. Oh, you can be a science teacher. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you could be a science teacher. So they had me. So I started out my first six weeks of, of China. I taught science to first through fourth graders. Now, okay. I am not child friendly nor am I a science teacher. This was a really interesting mix. Interesting. But I made some, yeah. So I made some great friends and I worked with a group of like 25 to 35 year old dudes who went to China and and they're (laughs) sort of a particular type, but they were great. So they embraced this little white haired old lady and young old, me young, old, young old, young, young old, 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 young so I could do that. I could totally do that. I ended up teaching that for almost all the answers years. are in the book. So you're good. Well, it's if it was IB. Have you ever dealt with IB? International business? International baccalaureate. It's some crazy learning type. Uh, it's a, a, a learning pedagogy. I don't know. Uh, it's an idealism out of Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, and wow. So, it my students, I was teaching grade 11 and 12 business and economics. These kids were writing by the end of the school year papers that were equivalent to my master's thesis. Um, <clears throat> thesis. Wow. I mean, right. It was pretty incredible. These kids were bright. They were really, really bright. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it, it pushed every bit of me. But, you know, COVID happened. I had a little brain surgery and it was time to leave China. <laughs> Wait, so before we get out of China, 
<laughs> Let's talk a little bit about food. Yeah, love food. Chinese food is just so good. And, you know, what we eat in the States is not Chinese food, right? So, yeah. so talk a little bit about, like, when you went out for, like, did you get, like, street food quite a bit? Like, a lot? Like, every day? No. So, um, uh, I kind of have, like, I have little weird food aversions. Okay. Um, I'm, an, I'm a freak for cleanliness. Okay. Um, so, so, there were really, really great street food places that I loved and others that I was a little unsure of. Right. Well, you got to be and careful with street food. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, the food was so good. It was funny. Um, there was actually a restaurant that was Chinese American food. Oh, because, that's great. Yes. Yes. I, I am you know, familiar. The Chinese right. thought it was like totally, totally novel that right. they had fortune cookies they had the Chinese takeout boxes, crepe rangoons and egg rolls. Like they had all the American Chinese favorites. So that's what you <laughs> so, liked. <laughs> no, it was funny. I actually, I had only been there months. The rest of the time I was eating real Chinese, Chinese food. Right. Okay. Real Chinese food. But real Chinese food is so interesting. You know, what we get in the U.S. is basically Cantonese food. So okay. mainly from um, like Hong Kong. I always get this wrong if it's from Hong Kong or Taiwan, but it's more Cantonese, not Mandarin. Right. But then once you get into China, China's huge. It's so, so big. So you have yeah. you have Sichuan food that's really, really spicy. You have Shanghainese food that is much more sweet. There's food from the north where noodles are more prevalent, not rice. Okay. You get into the Xinjiang region yeah, yeah. and they have they have these amazing cumin spiced ribs. Oh salivate. <laughs> Oh, the food, the food was so good, but it's, it's so diverse and delicious. Right. Um, it really, really interesting, interesting food. Nothing like American Chinese food, right. which still has its place. And I still love it. Sure. I, I still <clears throat> love me, you know, some general, so chicken. So like, but, <clears throat> I grew up again, small town, Michigan, right? So yeah. literally I never had Chinese food ever in my life until I went to uh, Japan when I was 18 in the Air Force. So what would be the most popular restaurant right outside the main gate of Masawa Air Force Base is Japanese Chinese food. <laughs> so it's kind of like American Chinese food, right? But it's Japanese Chinese food, which is really, really good. I can't describe it, right? You know, because it's this weird mix of shit I never knew, but you know, it was really good, right? Like cashew chicken, right? That that's ni it's neither Japanese nor Chinese. It's some sort of mixy blend, um, mm -hmm. but really good. <laughs> and then all of those all of those Japanese Chinese restaurants also, you know, had the favorite hits of Japanese food that you could also get, right? So I had. It wasn't until I got married to my wife, she, and then we went back to the same base. She's like, this is all just basically Japanese food, and they call it Chinese for Americans. I'm like, okay, good. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like eating Japanese food here in Sicily, because the Japanese restaurants, the Sicilians love sushi. Okay. But there's not a lot of Japanese here. Right owners are all Chinese. So it's right. Chinese people that own the Japanese sushi restaurants that serve spaghetti. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so confusing. Yeah, well, my wife, like she will not go to a, a Japanese restaurant in the States unless she can find their ad in a Japanese language newspaper you know oh, one of those free smart, newspapers smart. right mm -hmm. because she just cannot abide the uh, we're trying to make japanese food but it's not she can't do that if she walks in she leaves it's like she just looks around and goes no <laughs> we actually yeah. accidentally yeah. ate uh fake japanese food in uh phoenix with a bunch of friends and we i think she got chicken <laughs> Did she like it? <laughs> yeah, because it was just chicken, right? But it was oh, a sushi okay. restaurant, right? <laughs> we were looking at the menu going, where's the where's the Japanese food, right? And they're all getting what they were getting, and we're like, 
we didn't know what to do. <laughs> let's just get something we can eat. You know, it was weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get the least potentially offensive. Offensive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was just back in the States, um, maybe like two months ago. And my family for years has gone to the same Italian restaurant and, you know, we loved it. And we nicknamed, the nickname is the dungeon of pasta because they <laughs> okay. just give you these flowing bowls of delicious, delicious pasta. Well, now I've been living here a little over two years and we went in. It was so bad. <laughs> I'm not like your wife. I'm just going to order the chicken. again. Why are Americans making their pasta? You guys cannot cook the pasta that long. Al dente. You want mm. a little a bite. To it. A, a little, little bite. Food. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bite. Yeah. No, come on, people. You've got teeth. Use yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. It's not, the pasta should not melt in your mouth. That is not a good thing. So I, I got ruined because I had a friend who I think her maiden name was Belfiori, right? So she grew up, uh, uh, yes, an Italian almost native, <laughs> right? Yeah. And she was doing that. You know, what, what's the Christmas meal that you make with all the different kinds of seafood? She made that for me, right? With all the organic, no kidding ingredients. The first time I had squid and liked it, I was like, she just blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, I got to go to Italy and eat real Italian food. So still a goal. I went to Rome once. Um, and I, okay. and we had yeah. one. I know, I know it's, I know, disappointed in I, I know. Disappointed. Uh, and it was, a, it was one of those, my wife is, um, getting better, but she's not slow travel at all. Like she's like the agenda ticker. Right. So Rome was just a tick, right? <laughs> I wanted to stay, <laughs> but it was alas a tick. Right. So I think I only got like two and now i remember one proper meal that took way too long but it was amazing <laughs> yes it, it, yeah. I, in my it mind while it was happening i was like why am i still here it's like no no that's just how it goes <laughs> yeah. i get that now right but uh yeah but wow it's a transition <laughs> amazing food though my goodness and i and i thought i was full and then i realized why it kept going they're giving you time <laughs> <laughs> Eat that. We'll be back in 45 minutes. <laughs> I have been to so many. When I first moved here, I was so excited because they have the price fix menu. And so they're oh, like, wow. oh, this, this is the menu of the day. And so it's, you know, three different things or four different things. And I'm like, oh, it's such a good price because I'm a cheapskate at heart. <laughs> yes. So I'm moving by the cheap price. The I'm Midwest like, is still in there. Yes. Yeah. I'm like... <laughs> 20 euros and you, I get dessert and a glass of wine and an appetizer and this and that. I'm like, great. I'm mm. in. Right. We get halfway through the meal. I'm like, okay, good. I'm ready to go. They're like, oh no, your entree is coming. I'm, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm almost asleep right now. I know exactly what I thought. I was like, there's no Just way I can eat more food. There's no way. But you did. You ate more food. But I did. And it was delicious. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could boil down all all American problems is is we're just too busy and we're too much in a hurry to enjoy really good food. Just slow the f down, please. <laughs> there's there's more space. There's more space in your belly. You can eat more. <laughs> the secret ice cream stomach. You have that extra stomach this over there. Just <laughs> ice cream and gelato. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so. You moved, you, when you moved, like you moved, moved. So let's yeah. talk about like what this thing is that you did where you are Italian kind of, right? Already. Yeah. So, so uh -oh. I am, I am, I am a card carrying Italian. So, you know, okay. Way back when I grew up in St. Louis. Right. And my grandma used to talk about the old country and she's like, oh, in the old country in Italy, we did it this way in Italy. Well, you know, then I become an adult and I find out my grandmother's never actually been to Italy. It was oh, really? Her yeah, it was her parents, my great grandparents who had left Italy, the town I actually live in. My great grandmother was 16 and her father put her on a boat and sent her over to 
the man who became my great grandfather. He was about three, four years older, three and a half years older than from the same town. They lived on the same street in the town I live now. Wow. They married. They had 13 children. My goodness. In the United States. Wow. 40 years after arriving, they became U.S. citizens. And so that opened the opportunity up for me to become an Italian citizen because when my great-grandparents had those 13 children, they were still only Italian citizens. They were not Americans. And then those 13 children went on to have more children who, you know, my mom was a part of that next generation, still Italian. My mom's being born Italian because of her blood. Okay. Because she's born on the soil. Gotcha. Same for me. But the Italian government didn't know that we existed. So we were born with Italian blood. We were born with the right, excuse me, the right of Italian citizenship through our blood. But we had to prove, provide the papers. We're like fancy pedigree puppies without papers. (laughs) They didn't know we existed. Okay. We're not allowed into the AKC. So I had to go through um, while I was in Shanghai. This is one of the things that my dad did for me. He went and got 120 years worth of vital records, birth, marriage, death, naturalization certificates, got all these certificates, got them all prepared for me, sent them to me in China. And I called the Chinese or the Italian consulate in Shanghai and said, hey, I'm an Italian. I'd like you to give me my papers. And they're like, "Uh you're cute. (laughs) It's COVID. Not that important to us. Call us next year when COVID's over. I'm like, okay. So I waited a couple of more months and I called back and I said, hey, my friend so-and-so said that she knows your friend so-and-so. Can you help me out now? Because I know somebody. They're like, yeah, still not important. Go away. COVID. (laughs) Um, so, (laughs) So after a year of this, finally figured out I just need to come to Italy. And, and so I came to Italy and I brought the Italian government, all those beautiful papers that my father had found for me back in St. Louis, sent to me in Shanghai, dragged them all the way to Italy, Wow! showed up in Italy and spent three months going from government office to government office to government office, presenting all these papers. And eventually they gave me a passport. Wow. And now I am both Italian and American. Oh, you get two. Yeah. I get to keep both of them. So I can That's amazing. Yeah. And so the best part is with my Italian passport, I cannot just live in Italy. I can live in Spain, in France, in Germany, in Malta, Portugal. I have 20. So basically, you're like a EU citizen and a US citizen. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You you officially win. (laughs) <laughs> I do. I do. I feel like, you know, that's awesome. I kind of, I literally have to pinch myself most days going, wait a second, all those years of, you know, being a teen mother, making a lot of mistakes, you know, at divorce, all these dumb things. Like this is, this is my payoff. This is, my that's part. right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you did something right. <laughs> Somewhere somebody was like, you know what? We got to give this girl something. We yeah. got to give this lady a little we're she giving her a little something. <laughs> Peter so, so, so. At some point, she's going to learn not to marry another himbo. <laughs> yeah, no more himbos. No, no more, more himbos. See, you learned. No more himbos. You can date them no. all you want. Just don't take them home. <laughs> no. 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 no, now I have a really lovely partner. He's Spanish. He's wonderful. He's not oh, a himbo. Wow. Good. Oh, good. So but he's so. good looking, smart. Smart, brilliant, kind, like. Just good people. If I pull everything down, and this is what I'm telling you, like I don't know what this karma is, and if lightning's going to strike me tomorrow, but it's good. Italy is good. Yeah, this is. is you know, they so, give you that passport, and the world opens. All of a sudden, you get a Spanish boyfriend, delicious food. You get to live by the sea. Let's talk about the food a little bit more before we wrap up. Oh, you should say how people can do this on their own, and you can help them. Because that's why you're here. Okay. <laughs> yes. So to do this on your own, what you need to do is go out in the street. <laughs> Just get your dad in St. Louis to get all these papers. Right. Yeah. Call my dad. Call Joe. Um, no. So if you would like to do this, 
The easiest way to do this is go to our website, italiancitizenshipconcierge.com. And that's a really long word. Take it, spell it out in three different words, Italian Citizenship Concierge. Let's spell check. Fix the concierge because you'll probably get it wrong the first time. Right. And then add the .com. And off you go. Yeah. You can um, Google it, too. If you Google the three words, you, you'll you come Google up it? and you're number Define one. It. You're the number one result on Google, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I noticed so that. So SEO is working. Google. Good for you. I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. For somebody who knows nothing about SEO, somehow, as this is this is Italy. It's all beautiful here. <laughs> SEO even works. <laughs> With a breeze. So, yes. <laughs> So first you contact us, we'll take care of helping you get all those documents and moving to Italy. And then you just focus on packing your bags and let's talk about the food because that's what you should be doing the entire time you're in Italy is eating. Right. Talk a little bit about, let's talk a little bit about like just, I don't know what you, what I would say, but it just seems like Italians seem happier and healthier. Like what is there, is there like a mindset that's different? It's like, yeah, it seems like they like in the, in the States, like the most important thing about you is what you do for work and you always have to be busy where it seems different in Italy. (laughs) I think I actually, I think a lot about this, you know, because I work with Americans and so this is something that comes up quite a lot. Um, And you're right. The conversation in America is, you know, what do you do for work? That's the first thing people do when when you meet is what do you do for work? And it's taken me a while to break that habit. Um, And then you start talking about work and people you might know that in common that work, you know, circles around work. Right here. I have no idea what most of the people I know do for work. But, mm. you know, I they have is, work and they do work. I know they have work. They, they obviously make money them. somehow. Right. But it's not important. <laughs> but it's not important. Instead, right. it's you're showing me, you know, their olive trees and telling me about the hundred year old olive tree. Mm. Or, you know, they're, we're talking about the vacations or mm. the travels. We talk about family, about friends, <clears throat> about about. Did you get did you get a new Vespa? Right. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't come up so much. I mean, look, I live, you know, where, where I live and, and where I've traveled in Italy, I mean, people are driving Fiat Pandas. If you've ever seen a Fiat Panda, it's not something you really talk about. Because <laughs> it's not important. It's transportation. Exactly. It's not important. It's it gets important. you from point A to point B. Right. And until the wheels fall off and you can no longer tape it together, mm. it's perfectly because right. it's functional. Right. You know, but, but what's more important is are you spending your weekend, you know, you're going to go to Amsterdam and you're going to see these friends and you're going to eat this food and, mm. you know, we're going to see and we're going to relax and we're going to see these people and then we're going to have a holiday because every other day is a holiday. Right now we're in holiday season. <laughs> so it's picnic and holiday and it's experiences. People, yeah. are, people are happier because they're living their life. Right. And their life is not... 80 hours of work. Right. It's like fun isn't an afterthought. No, fun is the reason you go to work. You don't right. go to work so you can have fun. You, you know, it's 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 all about living your life, which as somebody who works in government offices can be terribly frustrating. <laughs> 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 you know, when when you need to go into a government office, but their hours are nine to twelve thirty Monday through Thursday, right? <laughs> and that's it. Wow! And then I love it. I, 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 I love it. From four to six, if you're lucky. Yeah. So by like twelve thirty one, they're already on the second glass of wine. So you'd probably they're they're doing it. They're doing it right. They're doing it right. They're doing it right. That's great. Like I live in a fourth floor walk up. I just bought a brand new apartment. I'm in a fourth floor walk up and I thought, okay, I'm 50 years old. How long am I going to be able to do this? And you can do it. You can do it. I can. And I do it because I have a dog. I do this five to six times a day. That's good for you. It's actually going to keep you healthy. Yes. 
And I start looking at my neighbors and my neighbors are all in their seventies. And and they're in a walk up. Walking up. They're walking up. They're hanging their laundry outside. They're walking up to the roof to hang the laundry to get better sun. So it dries <laughs> in the, you know? Yeah. It's totally different, you know? Yeah. People are healthy. It's like they've got and, bandwidth. They've got a lot of bandwidth in their brain to think yeah. about things that aren't work, right? <laughs> like it, when you're in the like, States, you're just on, you're on go mode like so much. It's like you don't have time to think about anything, right? Even if you're going to go do something fun, right? It's it's overbooked. It's like my wife. It's like tick, tick, tick. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to work to gym, you know, then you've got to meet somebody for cocktails. You've got to do this. And right. you've got this whole. It's all overscheduled, you know. You go to work in the morning, you get a break in the afternoon, you work for a couple hours, then you meet up with your friends on the weekends, you're out, you go to the sea, you go up to the mountains. Mm. It's a completely different mindset. You know, people are walking down the street, carrying their groceries a half mile, a mile from the grocery store. That's the exercise. Your time is not spent in a gym staring at, (laughs) you know, a TV. Right. He's in his hot, sweaty, germ-filled gym. Yeah. Instead, you're out in the fresh air taking a walk down the street. Yeah. And you're going to get fresh food and you don't have to wait. Yeah. You're just going to buy groceries for today. (laughs) You're going to buy groceries for today and a bottle of wine. Yes. And a big baguette. And you're going to enjoy life. Right. And you're going to be with people. Which is great. You know, I mean, there's just such a sense of community and, and one more, one more question just because uh, I'm selfish. How much I'm pretty sure I would, I would have to say I don't have any Italian blood, but just in case, is there a percentage? Mm -hmm. Do you have to be a hundred percent Italian? (laughs) No, no. So you have to, okay. So the way it works is, Italy became a country in 1861. So okay. you need to have an ancestor right. that was alive in 1861 or after mm. anywhere in the world who was solely an Italian citizen, meaning they had not naturalized to another country okay. when the child, the next in line, mm. was born <clears throat> as that citizen. So it's kind of a little bit complicated. Yeah. But that's kind of the kind of the But I mean basic. if you're if you have Italian family, you would know. If you have Italian family, yeah. I mean you're you gonna know <laughs> yeah. I don't. The so. Italian runs yeah. deep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the thing is, is like I always forget whenever I ask my parents, I'm like, so uh, remind me again, what am I where and who's, who's who, you know, that kind of conversation. And and they tell me and then I put it in a note. So it's somewhere in a note in my phone, but I I'm pretty sure there's no Italian in there, but I'm going home soon. So I'll ask again. There you go. <laughs> Just but in if case. Irish or German or Spanish or Portuguese, there's other countries that have something similar. Ooh. Italy's is one of the most lenient, but okay. there are other countries that have Interesting. citizens. So like basically, <clears throat> okay, that's something to think about because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there's German and British in there. I don't want to move to England though. That would, Germany would be cool. It's EU. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Germany would be cool. I think Germany might make you give up your American citizenship. Can't do that. That would cost yeah, me money. <laughs> 2450 bucks. Mm-hmm. $2,450? Well, I, if I gave up my U.S. citizenship, I would lose my Air Force retirement, so I can't do that. Oh, that would cost you more. Okay. <laughs> just the renunciation fee, just, just the pleasure of handing back in your passport will cost you over 2000 But yes, yeah, I've heard, I've heard, of course, retirement would be I painful. Was, the other thing that uh, I was going to say is I heard another guy gave up his U.S. passport, and it's good that you didn't have to do that. Because the U.S. does not like it when you do that. <laughs> no, no. They make and your, I have children. Yeah, and, yeah, and they make your I life really difficult. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't want to be an American. You can't come home anymore. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's so 12-year-old, you know. It's like our country's a 12-year-old. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I work there. I, I you, oh, right. All right. All right. Good. You can say that. <laughs> hey, this has been a 
This has been a blast. <laughs> Jen, Jen Jennifer. Um, so people go out. If you're Italian, even just a smidge, go to Italian citizenship. I can't say the word concierge. Maybe if I pretend like, I, like I'm saying hotel maker, I can say concierge. <laughs> <laughs> My French badness is still bad. Okay. So check it out and check out Jennifer Sontag. This has been a blast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. All right. You too. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.